Steve a round of applause. I, uh, I had a gift for Steve last service, but uh, I, I love him, but two gifts is a little bit overkill, so we just want to say thank you very much, Steve. Uh, hey, glad you're here. I'm Pastor Sean. I'm the student pastor here, and uh, I'm just excited to be here. About a, 10 years ago, uh, we started sports ministries here, um, and it's expanded and grown over the years, and I was a part of that, and we've been kind of handing torches off uh, to who's going to take it next, because it's, it's a big task, but it's an incredible task. It's an awesome task. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, this idea of sports, uh, idea of life, uh, work, and what things become distractions for us. And I, uh, I'm going to be honest, and, and this will get a kick out of you, but for the kids in here, for you all-out fans in here, the players, um, I'm going to pay attention to who's paying attention the most. I'm, I'm bribing you, all right? I have some gift cards. Uh, that's right, the pastor's bribing you. Um, and so whoever's listening the most, I got two gift cards, all right, really cool gift cards. The one I'm not going to tell what it is because it would start a riot in here, so I'm not going to go to that extent. You're just going to be surprisingly blessed. So really pay attention, I promise. I won't speak for more than an hour, all right, no, more than that. Um, but no, just, uh, just really focus in, pay attention. Our last group of players, they're awesome, they're phenomenal cheerleaders. They're better than my teenagers I work with on a weekly basis, so they're incredible. Um, but I just want to share some truths today about Christ, um, about Christ in my life, um, just some amazing things that uh, I've just seen God do and God wants to do in your life. But um, real quick, uh, my story, um, you know, I grew up with some things that were kind of rough as a childhood. Uh, things weren't easy for me. My mother was uh, mentally ill. She was paranoid, schizophrenic. Um, it was very violent. It was very hard. I won't go into a lot of details, but just to give you the idea that life was tough. And so... Uh, basketball and football, to be honest, really became, these things became an idol to me. And we're going to get into scripture and we're going to look at what's an idol mean. Um, but this became my life. Uh, this became everything I did because I didn't want to be at home. Um, and so for whatever reason, with my mother's mental illness, she loved me playing sports. And so she let me go out all night long, play basketball, play football. And so um, I never knew what I was going to walk into when I came home from school. So I made sure when I got home from school, I got in, got my homework done, and got out real fast, real quick, uh, because there's a lot of arguments, a lot of violence, and um, this, is, this is what became everything for me. Uh, because of those issues as a kid, I had a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, uh, wasn't the nicest kid uh, by any means, uh, and just had issues that were raging inside of me, just issues of why do I exist, why am I here, what's the point, what's the purpose, um, you know, is this just a waste? And so I, I became, once I got to middle school, football and basketball, I became really good at it because I spent a lot of time at it. Um, we moved a couple times, so that never helped. So I always kind of got made fun of, if anybody can relate to that. Then all of a sudden, I got good at these things right here. And now all of a sudden, the people that made fun of me, uh, they didn't make fun of me anymore, all right, because I was better than them, in essence. And so now I became kind of the popular guy, but that made me even more mad, uh, more upset, because now I knew they just liked me because I was good at this. And as I spent time with these things, they never filled uh, the void that I had inside. I had a void of this anger, uh, this void of uh, lack of love, uh, a void of attention that I never got um, because of situations in my life, in my home life. And these can never fill those voids. These always just made me more angry. They just made me more competitive. 
Um, and I understand I'm not here to knock basketball and football or sports. I love sports. I've been part of sports ever since I came out of the womb, in essence. Um, went up and played college football, and as you can tell, it wasn't a big college because I'm not very tall. Um, but anyways, I uh, made it, played on that level. And every level from Little League all the way up to college football, I was always on a, conf- was, was a championship level. Every, every level there was a championship that was part of a team that won. And it was an incredible experience for me, um, a joyful experience. But none of those things compared uh, to Jesus. Uh, when I found out about Jesus in my life, I asked Christ into my life to be my personal savior and my king, and it was at the end of my eighth grade year, and because of uh, my issues with home, I also had learning disabilities. Um, School was very hard for me because I couldn't focus. Maybe some of you can relate to that, Um, and it was a real struggle, and so as I entered into this relationship with Christ, it was at the end of my eighth grade year, I asked Christ in my life, God started to change things. There was transformation that happened. I began able to see things clearly. I began to have a peace. I began to have a love. I felt like I was a part of a family. Uh, And before that, I didn't have those things. And so basketball and football were great. Uh, Baseball was great. Track was great. All those other things were fun, and I enjoyed those. But they never filled a void inside. They never made me complete. And it was only Christ that made me complete. And um, as I learned to lay these down to receive Christ, Uh, God taught me something really cool, all right? He taught me that the way that I played this game now as a believer um, could help others understand who Jesus Christ was. I went to a public school, went to Columbiana. Um, We moved there uh, in my middle school years through high school. And, you know, like I said, we were part of two uh, regional basketball teams. Uh, We got to regionals twice. We We won our league two years in a row. Um, football, we had a great run. We were 11-1 the one season. Got to Malone College. We won our conference. Um, just great opportunities in, in the game of sports. But when I learned that Jesus was greater than this, that's when life got really fun. That's when things became phenomenal in my life. And now these are good things. Um, work can be a good thing. Relationships can be a good thing. A house can be a good thing. Hobbies can be great things. But I want to push back a little bit and ask you, where's God in that? Is God more of a focus or is this more of a focus? And I know for some people this is more of a focus. I've, I'm coaching varsity basketball now in the area, and I see the craziness that takes place in people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, last year, two years ago, I went and saw my nephew play basketball as a fifth and sixth grade tournament, public school tournament. And... Um, this kid wasn't making his shots. The dad was, uh, was in the stands yelling at his kid. I mean, it was fifth and sixth graders. There wasn't like thousands of people, so it was evident to hear this conversation. Um, dad's yelling at his kid. He misses the first shot. He continues to yell. The kid turns in the middle of the basketball game, turns and starts yelling back at his dad. Um, the kid missed the second foul shot, and the kid just starts crying right on the court. And I just encourage you as parents in here, I've been on a lot of levels of athletics, and I understand how intense it gets. And sometimes we as parents need to ask ourselves, what really matters? What really matters? Because this is a season of life. Uh, One day you're going to lay this down because something else takes precedence. Something else takes more importance. And so I really want to challenge this today is what matters? What matters? And eternity matters. Eternity with Christ is what matters. Eternity with Christ Because there's two options in life. There's going to be eternity with Christ and eternity without Christ. And the Bible tells us eternity without Christ 
is a word called hell. It's a place. It's hell. It's pain. It's torture. It's suffering. It's awful. But this eternity with Jesus is life. And one of the amazing stories, some of you say, well, Pastor Sean, it's a great story. You know, you've seen some cool things. That's great. But how do you know this God's real? Well, just having a relationship with Christ, I learned his importance in my life. Hey, I had that void of anger and pain and learning disabilities. And God came in and did a work on me that only God can do. And on top of that, when I received Jesus at the end of my eighth grade year, something pretty cool took place. I began to really pray for my mother because I told her, told you guys, she was mentally ill. She was paranoid, schizophrenic, had some serious issues. And I started reading this Bible and I learned about this Jesus guy. This Jesus who's the son of God, who is my king, who is an amazing God that I love so much because what he's done for me, because he first loved me. And I found out that Jesus gave his life for me. And for me to have real life, I need to receive this life. And um, I saw the miracles that he did. He healed people. He did some incredible things. He drove darkness away. And I started praying. I said, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you for my salvation, my eternity with you. I believe you can heal my mother. About a year later, guess what happened? Defied all the doctor's orders. Jesus Christ delivered my mother from her mental illness, paranoid schizophrenic. And if anyone knows what mental illness is, you know how rough that is. And you know how impossible that sounds. Well, if there are some of those issues in your life and your family, I want you to know Jesus Christ is hope and Jesus Christ can. It's not always a guarantee, but he can guide us and he can walk us through those times. So I went from this kid that had... Man, I didn't have any confidence in myself. I had all these anger issues to knowing this Jesus. And this was over time period. It didn't all happen like that. But it was this faithfulness that I learned to be in Christ, to trust him. And as I trusted him, I saw God do the miraculous. I saw God heal my mom. Um, unfortunately, my mother was also a smoker. And uh, she smoked from a teenager. And she eventually, after she was miraculously healed of her mental illness, her family came renewed, came restored. About a year and a half later, my mom died of cancer, and it was, uh, it was during this season. It was during the summer. It was in August. It was during two days, and I got the phone call in the morning. We spent the week with my mom, and uh, we needed to go home and rest, and I was the first one to get the call that my mom passed, um, and so I called the rest of my family, told them what happened. Um, we, you know, had breakfast, and uh, at that moment when my mom passed, I dropped to the ground. I bawled like a little baby. Anybody know that experience when you bawl like a little baby and the tears just... And I said at that moment, God, I give you everything. I'm living for you with everything I got because I need you. I can't get through this. And I went to football practice that day. And guys were like, why are you here? And I wanted to see the strength of Christ that was within me. And when it came to the funeral, uh, me and my brother said, you know what? We've got the funeral. And so my football team, my basketball team, pretty much my whole school came out. And uh, I shared Jesus at that funeral. And I saw many, many people come to know Christ because I saw my mom suffer with mental illness and then get healed of that and suffer of cancer. Um, and my mom had a strength from Christ within that even in her suffering, she never complained. And I got to pray with her and take care of my mom. And I was able to share the power of Jesus Christ that, man, even in sufferings, God can do incredible things. And so I want to take us to a passage because I want us to think about idols um, I don't know if you know what an idol is. That's not a really popular word, maybe, that's spoken around a lot. But what is an idol? What are idols? Um, idols are things that take our attention away from other things. Idols are things that take our focus, take our time, um, and ultimately take our time away from God. God calls us not to have idols. God wants to make sure that this isn't an idol, 
This can be part of you, but Christ needs to be all of you. And then as you do this game, as you go to your workplaces, as your husband, as your wife, as your neighbor, as you're in the community, when Christ is your focus and Christ is your all in all, as you do things like this, people can see the Jesus that's within you. And people will be radically changed through your life. And that's the power of our Christ. He's incredible. But I want to read this out of uh, Corinthians. Let's go to First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, if not, they're around you. Uh, they could be underneath you or right in front of you in the pew. I encourage you all to get it, um, just to be focused here. Second Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 16. You know, I love hearing as a pastor, take your time, get there. I love hearing the Bible pages turn. It's almost as good a sound as hearing this ball go through the net and then making what noise? That swoop, you know that sound? You hear that snap of the net sometimes? It's a great sound to hear the Bible pages be turned. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. And so it's really important, and we're going to keep reading, but it's really important that this, or your job, or your desires, or your dreams, don't take your time and take your life. Because there's one that deserves your time in your life, and that's God. He's the one who made you and created you. And I know this area, we get pretty crazy about the Buckeyes, can't we? We can get pretty nutty about our Browns and Steelers, and unfortunately I'm a Bengals fan, so I'm kind of the low guy in the scale in that conversation, but we can get pretty fired up when it comes to sports, right? Uh, when we started sports ministry here, we dealt with some, a lot of parents that got pretty fired up. Uh, we've seen some people almost get in fights uh, over, over a third grader playing basketball. Um, and you laugh, but you saw, you saw some of that this year. Um, we get fired up, don't we? Sports and competition, real quick, real fast, shows us our true character, doesn't it? And as you said, I'm a varsity coach, so sometimes me and the refs don't get along, all right? And so i got to check myself. And uh, I, I coach at school where it's a Christian school, and I bring the Bible with me when I coach, and I put it under my chair so it's a reminder that I need to be a model of Christ and not a wacko, all right? Um, and it can happen. And so we can get worked up. But if we keep Christ as our focus, instead of people looking at this guy and saying, oh, he's a crazy pastor, he's a crazy coach, they can say, man, he loves Jesus. Because at the end of the day, what matters, right? Because my mother, she passed, she, she, she died. This body faded away. But I know before she died, she re received Jesus Christ. So my mom's in heaven. And I know because I put my faith in Christ, I get to see her one day, amen? Isn't that a great promise? That's eternity of Christ. Eternity with Christ gives you that eternal life. Eternity without Christ doesn't give you that assurance. And so this is what Christ can do. So God wants to make sure we don't have idols. We need to have our eyes on Jesus. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Because, see, we are called to be, in that 16, right here, you're the church, not this building. We have a bad understanding that this building is a church. The only thing that makes us a church is when we come together and we worship God. 
the church is when we put our faith in Christ, we are the church. We are the temple of God. So as I'm coaching, as I'm on a weekend with 5,000 teenagers, and sometimes my teenagers frustrate me. Anybody understand frustration from kids or teenagers? Yeah? Kids, do you get frustrated at your parents? Oh, I know you do because I got three of them that get frustrated at me, right? So in those moments, in those situations, what are you seeing? Are you seeing Jesus or are you seeing this other side? And I really want to encourage us. We need to put our idols down so people see the love of Christ, the integrity of Christ, the character of Christ, see the truth of who Jesus is. Because as this verse tells us, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. There's a lot of things here. But God's telling us to walk out of sin, walk out of darkness. Sin is a term we don't use a lot in this day and age. But sin is a word that means that I'm doing wrong against God, that I'm lying, that I'm cheating, that I'm stealing, that I'm gossiping, that I'm letting my anger come out on someone else and, and hurting someone. There's many other things that sin can be, but sin is disobedience from God. An idol is something that we value more than God, and that's a sin. And God says, walk out from that. Walk out from that, because if you put your faith in me, you are the temple. I dwell within you, and then I'm going to walk among you. Isn't that an incredible passage? Not only does God want us to be a place for him to dwell, but then he's going to walk among us and walk with us. And then it says, if you caught it, the last verse I said, it talks about God then says, I will be a father to you. I will be a father to you, and I will call you my sons and daughters. For a guy that struggled with a rough home life and acceptance, when I realized Jesus was never going to let me down, that Jesus was always going to be there in the hard times and in the good times, that gave me great peace and great joy. It gave power in my life that only God could give me. But God says, walk out of this darkness, walk out of the sin, walk out of idleness, and then... As we make God our king and we realize that he dwells inside of us, this can be used for mighty things. And I'll give you an example. Uh, after high school, I took a year off to kind of figure out. I knew God was calling me into ministry and figure out where I was going to go, what I was going to do. So I took a year out, worked at a factory. Um, that was a realization that I needed to go to college. Um, went to college and played some football. But in that year time, you know, it was good because I got to, to work with some older folks and see what life was about and realize how much Jesus is so valuable um, to make the right choices and live the right way. And I started a study, a small group. I had teenagers, had adults, older adults. It's kind of a wild thing that they came to my house. It was people all, it was kind of weird, but it was really awesome. Um, and one day we're sitting in my house, circled up, and I said, you know, how did you come to know Jesus Christ? And there was this guy, 31 years old, named Virgil. And uh, he goes, well, the reason I knew God was alive because I saw it in your life and I saw it how you played basketball. And I was like, what? 
uh, because back in the day before social media and iPhones and all those things, uh, us people my age, we like played basketball all day outside on the weekend. We actually went to a park and you'd see people play basketball. A crazy thought. It's hard to see that today, but that actually happened. Um, and so he goes, well, because of the way you played, you never swore. You never let your anger get out of hand. You always try to make everyone better. You always talk to people. You always encourage people. And by the way you acted and by the way you played, I knew God was God and I received Christ as my personal Savior. I about said, what? But I encourage you to understand that in your workplace, in your home, in school, with each other on a sport, if Christ is our focus, Jesus can use this game to show others the truth of who he is. He can use your workplace. Some of you adults, you feel like you're in a dead-end road. You feel like, I need a new career. And I'm going to tell you, you just need to be more focused on Christ. Because God's got you right where you are for a reason, for a time, to reveal to others around you the truth of this king, the truth of who the Father is. Because what really matters, what matters at the end of the day, is eternity with Christ or eternity this way. Eternity with Christ is incredible. Eternity over here is darkness, is pain, is suffering. So you want to make sure this Jesus, you really think about who this Jesus is. But I encourage you, 2 Corinthians, come out of darkness. Come into the light. Come into who Christ is. So what is Jesus about? What is Jesus about? He's about eternal life. He's about life change. He changed my life. He changed my mother's life. He's changed thousands of teenagers I've got to work with. He's changed, changed tons of parents I've got to work with. He's changed my family. He's changed my friends. Jesus wants to take us from darkness to light. Jesus wants to show us truth and use us in our workplaces and our school places and on our teams and everywhere we go. Jesus is an incredible God. So what are we to be about? You know, we are to be about if it's this or if it's a, even a game, uh, if it's a work, if it's a relationship with my wife or with my husband or whatever that relationship is for you, uh, life is to be about us sharing Jesus to people. Um, and it's really important that we do that, that we can live a life that honors God so other people see Christ. And dads in here, I just encourage you, as your kids are, are in athletics or whatever, it could be robotics or there's so many things now, I just encourage you to encourage your kids. Love your kids. Um, I was on vacation a couple years ago, and it took everything in me, and it took my wife to hold me back. Uh, I was about ready to go inside linebacker mode on a dad at the beach. Um, he was playing football with his son, throwing the ball, and every time, the, and this kid was like five years old, all right? And every time the kid would catch the ball, his dad was like, great job, proud of you. Every time he dropped the ball, his dad would say, that's minus five points. This is awful. How can you be like that? And I'm sitting here. I mean, he's it's at the beach. He's yelling. There's other people out there. And I so wanted to go tackle this dad right into the ocean and shake him and say, what are you doing? Because you're scarring this kid. Every time he drops a ball or makes a mistake, he's going to feel like he's the worst person in the world. All right? And as a coach, people are going to make mistakes. But if you're going to make a mistake, you know, don't shell up and think that there's no way out of it. Because we need Christ. It's about Christ in our life. Christ will walk us through all things. So I just encourage you as parents, take a deep breath. Ask yourself what matters. It's eternity with Christ. This is going to fade away. All right, this ball's a little deflated like the New England Patriots, right? It's a little deflate gate. 
It's, this is going to deflate. This is going to fade out. Jesus doesn't. Jesus continues to grow because we're called to be his temple. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to walk among us. Church, hear that. God walks among us. He desires to live right here. You are the church. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. He loves you. Never forget that. And that just leads us to this. What has Jesus done? Man, Jesus has given his life up for us so that we could have life. Let's go to one more passage. John 3, 16 and 17, all right? I'm still out there making sure he's paying attention for my bribery, all right? John 3, 16 and 17. We talk a lot about 16, don't talk a lot about 17 or even the rest of the chapter, but I'm not going to go into all that because we got a bunch of cake to eat. And by the way, there's so much cake. Uh, the cake is serving, it's supposed to feed this amount, but it's like the, it's almost like the feeding of the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves. There's cake, it just keeps expanding. So all of you, by the way, are welcome to go eat some cake before you leave, all right? Because it's, it's like, I don't know, we might have to walk around Canfield to get rid of it. Um, John 3, 16 and 17. This is awesome passage. This is Jesus for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we have this God who's a loving God that's here to pursue you. He's not here to destroy you. He's here to give you life. He's here to live in you. He's here for you to know him so you can have eternity with God. It's a pretty powerful thing to think about it. And so I'm going to ask some of you to think about, do you know this Jesus? Do you know him? Um, and we got some things for you to watch um, that are really pretty neat stuff. Uh, but I want you to think about, for some of you to think about maybe knowing Jesus as your Savior. Here's what you got to believe. Be really honest. And it's kind of wild, to be honest. All right? But for me to believe Jesus is my personal Savior, i got to believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. He came from Mary. He was born from Mary. Uh, a lady that had no relationship with the guy, uh, and Jesus was born. That Jesus lived. He grew up. Uh, Jesus lived such an incredible life of love and, and miraculous things when he started his ministry, and because he called out the religious leaders of the day, and the political powers of the day, and said, you're living life all wrong. Uh, in our sin, we, they killed him. They put him on a cross. They beat him. They spit on him. They whipped him. Um, and he did all that for our sin. He did all that for when we lie, when we steal, when we cheat, when we don't honor our parents, when we don't listen, when we disobey. He did all that for our sin. And then three days later, he defeated death. As we celebrate Easter, the tomb rolled away. That's why we celebrate Easter, by the way. It's not the Easter bunny. I know it's kind of cool and chocolate and you, peanut butter and chocolate's my favorite. And you got the Reese's peanut butter cup eggs. That's really sweet. Um, but Easter's about Christ. The tomb rolled away. Jesus came out and he walked around. People saw him alive. Historical proof. We have a God, Jesus Christ. We have proof. And we have a God who reveals himself to us. And then... He talked to his disciples one last time. And like these are like helium balloons. What would happen if I cut this balloon off? 
What would happen? Kids, what would take place? If I cut the, I didn't put a hole in it, but I cut it at the bottom, what would take place if I cut the string? You know, Jesus actually did that. Say, what? What, pastor? You want me to believe that? Yeah, Jesus was talking, and he just floated up, and they saw him float up in the clouds, and there's eyewitnesses of it. And you're like, that's nuts. Come on now. And then a couple days later, God's spirit for the first time came down on all people who believe in Jesus Christ. God's presence, that Corinthians we talked about, that's how it happens. He sent his spirit down so that God walks among us for us who come out of this darkness and into his light. And then guess what? He's coming back again. Jesus is going to come back again. The way he went up, he's going to come back. And for all those who believe in him, he takes them. And for all of us who died before that, our spirit's already with them. And so the reality is, you got to believe that. And you got to believe you're a sinner. you got to believe that you do some bad things. You do some things that dishonor God. And if you believe those things, you can have eternity with Jesus Christ. And so I want you to watch something, and then you got two things for you to check out. That's pretty neat. So here we go. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints as if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet, the problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma. Choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. 
Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place, and that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God our sins. No, it's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? It lays it out for us pretty well. And um, just want to encourage you, think about that. If you don't know this Jesus, today's a great day to know him. And if you've got idols or distractions in your life, today's a day to lay it down. And the way we need to live our life, um, it needs to be in light of God's power and that God will return. And so um, I got some teens up here that wants to show you something, for you to think about something, how we need to live uh, for Christ. Because there's importance and there's value. Because like I said, Jesus is coming back again, and we need to make sure we're ready for that. So check this out. <laughs> 